Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabihari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabihari Gopi Janabala Bhagirivaridhari Gopi Janabala Bhagirivaridhari Yashoda Nandana Prachajana Ranjana Yashoda Nandana Prachajana Ranjana Jamuna Tirambanachari Jamuna Tirambanachari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabihari Gopi Jana Balaba Girivaridhari Yashoda Nandana Brajajana Ranjana Jashoda Nandana Prajajana Ranjana Jamuna Tirambanachari Jamuna Tirambanachari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabihari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabihari Premanandi. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. 
Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaiva Narotamam Devim Saraswatim Vyasam Dadojayam Udirayan Nastaprayeshvabhadreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavati Uttama Shloke Bhaktir Bhavati Naistaki Reading this morning from chapter 8 of the first canto, text 6. Correct? Okay. Yajayitvangsa made haistam Tribhir Uttama Kalpakai Tadyasha Pavanam Dikshu Shatamanyor Ivatanat Yajayitvasha made Haistam Tribhir Uttamakalpakai Tadyasha Pavanam Dikshu Shatamanyor Ivatanaut. Please chant. Yajayit Vasamed Haistam. Tribhir Uttamakalpakai. Tadyasha Pavanam Dikshu. Shataman your Ivatsanot. Yajayatvasha made Haistam. Yajayitvashwame daistam Rebhir Uttama Kalpakain Dadyasha Pavanam Dikshu Shatamanyor Ivatanot Mataji Yajayitva Shwamedaistam Vibhir Uttama Kalpakai Tadyashat Bhavanam Dikshu Shatamanyor Ivatanot Yajayitvam By performing Ashwamedhai 
Yajna in which a horse is sacrificed. Come, him, King Yudhisthira. Vibhi, three, Uttamam, best. Kalpakai, supplied with proper ingredients and performed by able priests. Tat, that, Yashaham, fame. Pavanam, virtuous. Dikshu, in all directions. Shatamanyo, Indra, who performed 100 such sacrifices. Eva, like. Atanot, spread. Translation. Lord Sri Krishna caused three well-performed Ashwamedha yagyas, or sacrifices, to be conducted by Maharaj Yudhisthira, and thus caused his virtuous fame to be glorified in all directions, like that of Indra, who had performed 100 such sacrifices. Please repeat. Lord Krishna caused three well-performed Ashwamedha yagyas, horse sacrifices, to be conducted by Maharaj Yudhisthira, and thus caused his virtuous fame to be glorified in all directions, like that of Indra, who had performed 100 such sacrifices. Report by Srila Prabhupada. This is something like the preface to the performances of Ashwamedha Yagya by Maharaj Yudhisthira. The comparison of Maharaj Yudhisthira to the king of heaven is significant. The king of heaven is thousands and thousands of times greater than Maharaj Yudhisthira in opulence, yet the fame of Maharaj Yudhisthira was not less. The reason is that Maharaj Yudhisthira was a pure devotee of the Lord, and by his grace only was King Yudhisthira on the level of the king of heaven, even though he had performed only three yagyas, whereas the king of heaven performed hundreds. That is the prerogative of the devotee of the Lord. The Lord is equal to everyone, but a devotee of the Lord is more glorified because he is always in touch with the all-great. The sun rays are equally distributed, but there are some places which are always dark. This is not due to the sun, but to the receptive power. Similarly, those who are cent percent devotees of the Lord can get the full-fledged mercy of the Lord, which is always equally distributed everywhere. Does anyone know the shortest verse in Bhagavad Gita? Anybody know which it is? It's the only one that's just one couplet, not two. It's um, 430, 31, something like that, uh, uh, which simply says that in this world, no one can be happy without sacrifice. In this world or in this life, who can be happy without sacrifice? That's a very simple Statement. The word yagya is used. Loko avagyasya, uh, without sacrifice. Uh, so y- y- the verse today is just giving a sort of a precursor, a um, what is it, foreshadowing of what is to come with Maharaj Yudhisthira performing these horse sacrifices. The horse sacrifice is the top yagya of this time because it establishes the sovereignty of the king. Uh, the, the horse is sent out in all directions, and uh, the horse must be allowed to run freely through the kingdom, or else 
the king is challenging the person who's conducting a sacrifice to a fight. So this this is the way in which sovereignty, supremacy is established. And Yudhisthira Maharaj was able to do this three times to establish his position. But it says here that Lord Krishna caused these sacrifices. And that was his desire, to see his devotee enshrined in this position as the Rajarshi, as the saintly king. So yagyas have various applications at various times. It said in Kali Yuga, no one should perform this kind of sacrifice because we're not able to, to do it. The, the efficacy of the Brahmin's mantras, the amount of opulence and gold that's required is simply not available to us. So we have this Sankirtan Yagya that is the equivalent of what was accomplished in earlier ages by such elaborate sacrifice as Maharaj Yudhisthira is doing is easily accomplished by the devotee in Kali Yuga by just chanting the holy name. In fact, in the in the Bhagavad Gita, in chapter 10, where Krishna is talking about all his opulences, uh, he says, among sacrifices, I am what? Anyone remember? Japa. So that is a very relevant verse to all of us, isn't it? It is, it is a simple, very simple yagya, and yet it is so challenging, especially for newcomers, just to sit and chant for an hour. It's, like, it's, it's so challenging, so very challenging. The mind is very restless, and the, uh, the practice is not well established, so there's a great effort involved. But that's yagya. And then by performance of that yagya, by practice, as Krishna tells Arjuna, the, controlling the mind is very difficult, but it is possible by constant practice and detachment. So constant practice. Uh, this, this chanting is not meant to be just when we're doing japa, but it's actually meant to be all the time. But, but at least some portion of our day, like one, two hours minimum, should be focused on really giving our best to chant japa. So in the second chapter of the Gita, there's a beautiful verse about how the mind works. It, it explains that the mind is like a river, which is full of various unmentionable objects. It's just full of desires. <laughs> and um, the ordinary mind is occupied with picking these things out of the river either to enjoy them or to try to get rid of them. One way or another, the focus is on the, this river of desire. But for the yogi, for the devotee, this river is like uh, is uh, emptying into the ocean of the devotee's still mind. And a river can, I mean, an ocean can absorb the river for years and years indefinitely without rising. So in the same way, the mind of the devotee can absorb or observe this river of desires without being disturbed. So that is the way to uh, chant japa. As we're chanting, so many things will come up in our mind. And they are just flowing by this river. (laughs) If we reach in and try to stop them, I've got to get my mind to control. No, pay attention, pay attention. Then we've actually lost the battle. We're buying in 
the, the desires have distracted us. So we just have to understand that this is our condition. The mind is this reservoir of all the sensual experiences of this life and of countless lives, and it's just going on and on and on. Prabhupada put it very poetically, do not eat the bananas of the mind. So when, when the mind is uncooperative, Krishna says, whenever and from whenever and wherever the mind wanders due to its flickering and unsteady nature, the yogi must bring it back under control of the self. But how to do that? Not harshly, not challengingly, but very patiently and lovingly. So just bring it back. Oh, gone off again, come on back. It's like a, you know, you see mothers in the supermarket sometimes with unruly kids, and sometimes they're just screaming at them, and you want to call child protective services or something, you know? It's just so grating and painful. They see, if, and how foolish, how foolish it is. It's, the more she screams, the more the child misbehaves. So, when the mother responds to the child's misbehavior very lovingly and very calmly and models the behavior she wants from the child, then the child responds accordingly. So similarly, when we treat our minds with respect, with love, with patience, <clears throat> then the childlike mind will become, uh, uh, will reciprocate. Uh, <clears throat> this, this is like the way that Haridas Thakur dealt with the prostitute. <clears throat> the sage Haridas had become a Vaishnava, and this is very uh, this is very unfamiliar or unacceptable in the Mohammedan culture amongst the Muslims. <clears throat> it was fine for the Hindus to become Muslims, but if a Muslim became a Hindu, that was like no bad news. So so the local Zamindar was concerned about Haridas becoming a, not only a, a Hindu but a sadhu a noticeable and, and recognized saint. So he enlisted a beautiful prostitute to corrupt him. So as Haridas was performing his chanting in his hermitage, his secluded place, the prostitute came in the dead of night and began making suggestive uh, uh, actions and words. And she said, you are so young, you are in the prime of your youth, you are so handsome, I am desiring union with you. And Haridas said, he, now, how could he have responded? Many ways, right? He could have said, be gone, harlot. <laughs> he, could, he could have chastised her. He could have screamed at her. He could have driven her off with a stick. <laughs> but instead he said, oh, please have a seat. <laughs> I will certainly take, fulfill your desires just as soon as I finish my chant. And so she sat and he chanted through the night. And it was dawn was coming. He said, "I'm so sorry, I haven't finished my rounds, uh, but if you please come tomorrow, then I shall surely fulfill your desire." So again, the next night she came, and again he said, "Yes, I've taken a vow to chant uh, so many millions of names by the end of the month, so I'm almost through. Please be patient." <laughs> so again, she sat through the night, and again he chanted through the night. And again, the dawn came, and he said, I'm so sorry, tomorrow I shall surely fulfill your desire. So that night, the third night she came, but this time as he, as he was chanting, she also began chanting, and, uh, and then finally she said, I must confess to you, I've been sent by the Zamadar. 
And he said, I know that. <laughs> I know I know all about this this uh, tricky man and his deceit. But I stayed, and I would have left immediately, but I stayed here just to purify you. So she surrendered to him, said, please, I'm such a sinful person. Tell me, how should I proceed? And he, he uh, said, go and give away all your possessions which were acquired by sinful means and then come back here and shave your head and sit here and chant before the Tulsi plant. And so she did that. And Haridas left and she took over the hermitage and became known as a great saint. In fact, the power of Haridas Thakur's devotion became legendary. As Maharaj Yudhisthira here, his Yashaha. Yashaha means fame, like Yashoda, one whose fame is always increasing. So uh, <clears throat> she became famous and Haridas Thakur became even more famous. So this is the way we need to deal with our minds, with patience, with love, gradually letting them become Vaishnavas. You know, when we read Govinda Das's bhajan, um, he doesn't say, my damn mind. <laughs> he says, my dear mind, <laughs> please take shelter of, of Krishna. There was a, a devotee in Mayapur years ago who uh, had been an entertainer in the Russian army. He's a, a Russian devotee. He did not speak a word of English, but he was expert actor. So he did this play for all of the devotees, most of whom were English speakers, and it was all a mime. And it was so entertaining. He played all the parts. He played the enjoyer. He played the mind. He played the the devotee, uh, and then the last scene was the mind. He comes trudging out in a dhoti. <laughs> Just that one visual scene, I'll never forget. That is how the mind eventually capitulates. It's like atrophy. You know, when you don't use a muscle, eventually it just it just weakens. So similarly, if we don't indulge our mind while we're doing this japa yajna, just let it go and go. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then eventually it atrophies. Eventually it trudges out in a dhoti. All right. <laughs> but it takes time. Uh, my our friend Charu Prabhu in Utah, uh, he, like, he tells a story of Prabhupada's visit to Australia. I think it was 1971, uh, 70, the first visit he made. So Charu was the temple president, just a small group of devotees. And uh, Charu said he was so enthusiastic when Prabhupada arrived at the airport that he paid his obeisances with great vigor, bang, banged his head on the floor so hard he got a concussion. <laughs> so enthusiastic. But uh, later he was alone with Prabhupada in his room and he asked this question. Prabhupada, once we start chanting, how long does it take to become purified? He said, Prabhupada sat back and thought for a moment and he said, about 40 years. So that's a yagya, isn't it? <laughs> to to chant and continue chanting regularly for decades, that is the prescribed yagya for this age. The, the um, ashwamedha yagya is very involved and everything has to be just right and it's very expensive, very elaborate. But... Um, the Japa Yagya costs nothing. It's very simple, but it takes a long time. 
takes a long time. But the, the devotee becomes purified by the association of Krishna's holy name because Krishna and his name are non-different. When we are chanting, we are present with Krishna. Of course, Krishna is always present, just like the sunshine in the example given here. The sun is distributed everywhere. So Krishna is always present. But Krishna and his name are non-different. Once the devotee said, Krishna is present in his name, and Prabhupada corrected him, where in his name is Krishna present? It's not that Krishna is present in his name. Krishna and his name are non-different. Nama Chintamani Krishna Chaitanya Rasa Vigraha Purna Shudha Nitya Bhukta There is no difference between the Lord and his holy name. When we're chanting, we are with Krishna. We're giving our time to Krishna. Krishna is giving his time to us. How do we deal with that? Again, if we're just thinking about our mind and not the holy name, then we're not being very polite to our guests. Krishna is, is there. So even if our chanting is inadequate, even if we feel like it's not ideal, still Krishna is pleased by that chanting. As Satchinandana Maharaj says, that Krishna enjoys hearing his name and he's not ashamed to admit it. <laughs> he is not in the least ashamed to, feel, to take pleasure in hearing his name uh, repeated. So Krishna is enjoying that. Chanting isn't a prayer for service. It is service in and of itself. It is service. When we're chanting Krishna's name, we're bringing him pleasure. We are rendering service. So however imperfectly we may be doing that, Krishna is still accepting that that pleasure. See, this is this is the difference. Like Ashwamedha, the Ashwamedha Jagya, three of them were performed by Maharaj Yudhisthira, hundreds by Indra. And yet, their fame was equal because King Yudhisthira was doing these yagyas with devotion. Um, there, are, there are so many rituals involved in the performance of a sacrifice, and we may or may not do them all perfectly. But what Krishna is really interested in is the devotion. In the Gita, he, he does not say, uh, you must offer me Whatever you do perfectly, it must be offered with every single ritual observed. It's never mentioned anywhere. What he says is that if it's offered with love, I will accept it. So where does that love come from? That is the purpose of the Japa Yagya. Through the chanting of the holy names, we develop love for Krishna. Uh, We begin to uncover and experience the innate sweetness that is present because Krishna is there with us when we are chanting. Rupa Goswami wrote that he did not know how much nectar was contained in these two syllables, Krishna. No jane janita ki abdir amritai krishnevi varnadvaya. I do not know how much nectar is contained in these two syllables, Krishna. When I chant them, I want millions of tongues. So much taste he had. I wish I had millions of tongues. In Karna, I wish I had millions of ears in which I could hear them. Why is that? Because while the yogis strive vigorously with great discipline and austerity to control their mind, for the chanter of the holy name, Chaita Prangini Sarvani Vijayate Sarvendriyana Kritim, 
when the holy name is dancing around in the courtyard of the heart, it conquers the activities of the mind. And thus all the senses become inert. The senses stop agitating because the mind is at peace. That is the power of the holy name. Whether we can perceive it or not, we know that it does affect us. At least in my years of chanting, that's one thing I observed without fail. If I just sit and chant, I feel better after chanting after chanting than before I begin. You experience that? It's just so reliable. You know, whatever whatever mood, like they say, uh, householders say, this morning I woke up grumpy, but uh, today I let her sleep. That's the joke. <laughs> But uh, how, whatever mood we, woke, we wake up in, uh, when we chant, by the time we're finished with the chanting and the sadhana, then, you know, vishvapurna sukhayate, I mean, life looks so much better. Even if we have troubles, even if we have problems, they haven't gone away. But unlike escapism, like uh, watching a movie or, or zoning out with something, just trying to forget our troubles for a little while, Unlike escapism, sadhana gives us fortitude and strength and enthusiasm to deal with our problems instead of just neglecting them for a while. They don't get any better when we neglect them. But, they, but with sadhana, we put aside whatever is troubling us and just pray to Krishna. Then we are ready to deal with life. Life has so many weird things that happen, doesn't it? <laughs> you can never... You can never tell. Shock after shock. That's the way Prabhupada put it. I, I just have to share because uh, somehow, uh, some, a couple of years ago, I was just, just glanced over the news and there's a story about a man in Dallas who'd been arrested <laughs> and they had a mug shot. And this much, much <laughs> you can't imagine how shocked I was. <laughs> Can't imagine how shocked you were. <laughs> so, uh, such a weird thing, and so many strange things. You can never be comfortable in this material world. You know, whatever, whatever uh, security, whatever kind of situation we build up, and we think, okay, now I've got it made. Then Krishna's just ready to pull, a, you know, like a one of those towers in the game. You know, you pull out one from the bottom, the whole thing falls over. <laughs> But that happens to us all. It's happening in slow motion. And the problems will eventually overcome our material bodies and our material situations and minds. Therefore, why not just practice? You know, prepare, be ready, and then, and then be fortified for the day. This is the, the simple yagya required for happiness uh, by, by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It is not... Uh, it's not complicated, it's not expensive, but the benefits are all uh, equal to these big, complicated yagyas. So I'll stop there. Any comments or questions? Maybe it's a little early. We have discussion on this or other topics. It's in the first canto of the Bhagavatam, yeah.
Mm-hmm. You know, some kind of, yeah. Some Feel kind that of, you're, aha, take this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, Hare Krishna. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I feel like that. It's like, okay, you know, let's go. Let's fight. <laughs> Put on some boxing gloves. And, you know, usually I, inside I'm shouting Hare Krishna, you know, chanting. I guess it kind of goes, but I don't know. If, so my question is, is that feeding the mind and the ego? Or is it, is it a, a suitable tactic? Well, if it's working... If it helps you chant, then who am I to say it's not? Um, but the the idea of chanting is to bring Krishna pleasure. So maybe you're a chatriya, and Krishna enjoys you sword fighting with your mind. <laughs> if you if Krishna feels happy, we feel happy. So if this is making you feel happy, that's a good sign that Krishna is pleased. Prabhupada was asked, how can you tell if Krishna is happy? He said, when you see Krishna smile. So, uh, it's, it, each individual jiva has their unique relationship with Krishna. It's like Bart, I mean, it's like Homer tells Bart, son, you're unique, just like everybody else. <laughs> but it is amazing that each living entity has a unique way of bringing pleasure to Krishna. Isn't that a very godlike thing to do? If you were God, would you figure out something like that? I think I'll create innumerable living entities, each one empowered to bring me pleasure in a unique way. <laughs> and then in the in the human body, there's 90 trillion living entities. One human body, and only 10 trillion of them are human cells. <laughs> 80 trillion passengers. And, and symbiotic living entities waiting, enjoying now and then waiting for the big feast at the end. <laughs> but each one of them has a unique relationship with Krishna. Isn't that amazing? So your way of chanting may evolve with time if you're open to that. Hmm. Hmm. What does Lord Chaitanya say about making chanting possible? Yes. Yes, so so generally being being respectful to the mind is is that mood. You know, just the the mind is disrespectful, but if we treat it respectfully it can sometimes eventually mirror that behavior. I'm um, working on a translation of the Gitar Gan, Srila Prabhupada, do you know about this? Well, this is the, he put the Bhagavad Gita in poetry sometime in his earlier life, and then he printed it in 1973, but just in Bengali. But each, each verse of the Gita in Bengali poetry. And it's very popular in Bengal. It has sold millions and millions of copies. It's sort of the Bhagavad Gita in Bengal. But um, it has never been published in English or translated. Of course, Prabhupada's Gita is in English. And Bhakti Chu Maharaj put out the Gita Gan once with just the translations from the Bhagavad Gita as it is. But we're trying to do it in, the, in a more poetic way. 
<clears throat> and also actually get all the nuances from Prabhupada's original. And he, he weaves commentary in with his translations. So this, this reminded me of a couple of his references. He, he talks about um, controlling the monkey mind. The monkey mind. I don't remember that from the Gita. <laughs> but he, this is how he described the mind. <clears throat> Where he said, make your mind your friend or it will become like Hiranyakashipu. <laughs> Again, I don't remember that from the Gita. But uh, <clears throat> the point he was making very strongly, you know, the mind is this formidable enemy. But <clears throat> it's just like when, we, when there's like a bully in our lives, right? Somebody is making us angry and upset. And so what do we do? This happens to all of us. You know, somebody's making us, pushing our buttons. What do we do? Well, we can try to push back and push theirs harder somehow. But that only further agitates us because we push and then we get pushed. Right? So the best revenge is living well. If, if we are actually unaffected by the assault of the mind, then the mind loses its grip over us. You see. So that's why not reacting <clears throat> when the mind wanders, but just saying, okay, come on back. <clears throat> that is, at least for me, that has worked better. Isn't that true? Even in, in uh, football, if some, some player mouths off in the press, and then the, then the other team puts it up on the bulletin board, look what he said about us. <laughs> and the coach gets mad. Why do you give them ammunition like that? <laughs> so, um, yeah, trying to confront our mind is is like that. It just empowers the mind. Similarly, like trying to confront a bully really just empowers them, ultimately. So what disempowers them is if we empower ourselves. I'm going to find out to be how to be content in spite of this provocation. And so then self-realization really means, it's very nice, how, how can I be happy? Finding out how to be content. Prabhupada said, chant Hare Krishna and be happy. One of my god brothers explained, that is not a blessing. That was an order. <laughs> so how do we be happy? How do we learn to be happy? That's our challenge. If, if fighting your mind makes you happy, yeah, then. but uh, in the long run, we want to make friends with the mind. <clears throat> How to reconcile beating your mind and being respectful to it. <laughs> um, she said, sweep it 100 times with a broom and beat it 100 times with a shoe. Um, that is can be taken in many ways. You know. um, how, to, how to defeat the mind. This is the point. And if you... My main point is if you are absorbed in attacking and counterattacking, then we're not really absorbed in Krishna. We're thinking about the mind. Beating it <clears throat> can also be understood to be neglecting. Just neglecting. Neglecting is also a kind of beating. Huh? So maybe we need to, in the first thing, <clears throat> really 
beat our minds and chant very loudly and say, no, 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 no. There, I had a God brother used to chant his japa standing against a wall, shaking his head vigorously. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Have you ever seen someone like that? <laughs> we had a <clears throat> incident in Washington once. We, we had a little uh, center just on a busy street and it had some bay windows in front and uh, early around sunrise my god brother was sitting he was standing in the bay window looking out and chanting like that Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare and then I was, I was pacing behind him and I happened to walk behind him and I looked over his shoulder and down on the ground the floor below there are some schoolgirls and they're They could not fathom what was going on. I tapped him on the shoulder, and he looked down, and his his shaven head grew red all the way. (laughs) Yes, sometimes we may need to chant louder than the mind and, and be very proactive. But in the long run, if we don't have to beat the mind, and we say maybe this instruction is maybe meant for the beginner. But in the long run, you know, the, the Acharya say, uh, my, my dear mind, Vajahure Mana, Sri Nanda Nandana, Abhayacharanara Vindare. My dear mind, please worship the lotus feet of Govinda and become fearless. Okay. And one last question. Uh, okay. oh, go ahead. We have time if yes, no one's so in a rush. Yeah. yeah, I was just wondering, like, why, I mean, <coughs> Krishna asked Yudhishthira Maharaj to perform three Ashwamedha Yagya. So is there any significance of three here, like some details given? Krishna, I don't know the detail. There's probably some, some esoteric reason I don't know. Krishna is the lord of three. You know, three makes a solid uh, platform on which to stand, like a three-legged stool. Two won't balance, but three will. Um, but yeah, he's the Lord of three modes, the three worlds. Uh, so many threes. Prabhuji, <laughs> yes, your question. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Uh, so if you call me Maharaj, my wife will be fried. So. Okay. Hare <laughs> uh, Krishna Prabhu. Thank you. I hope she's not watching. <laughs> I'm sorry. What would you like to be called, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, um, you you mentioned uh, about happiness. But I was just I was just curious uh what is the definition of happiness? Uh, yeah. Happiness is the progressive realization of a worthwhile goal. Progressive realization of a worthwhile goal. If every day we feel like we're coming closer to something worthwhile, then we will be happy in our endeavors. So that's why the whole life of a devotee becomes uh, full of happiness, because we're progressing towards something worthwhile every day. I am getting closer to the end of this material imprisonment, and closer to ecstatic love for Krishna. You said it was the progressive realization of yes. a worthwhile goal. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Re- realization means you know pratyaksha. Uh, it is 
directly experienced. This is one of the facets of Krishna consciousness that's really so difficult for people to understand, that uh, <clears throat> to have experience of Krishna is required before you can really understand Krishna. And uh, it, it's not a matter of just subscribing to a faith or believing. Okay, now I, I in take a catechism, I state my faith, and now I am converted. You say, that doesn't work. Our experience of faith <clears throat> is based on experience. A Tao Shraddha. In the beginning, a little faith. Okay, maybe God exists. But then there's a process. Sadhu Sangha, uh, Bhajana Kriya, you know, association with devotees, then regular practices of bhakti. And then there's Anartha Nivritti, when unwanted things start atrophying and falling away. Not by our strength of beating or sword fighting, but just because they uh, they become uh, neglected so much that they stop bothering us. So then is <coughs> called nishta, firm faith. Uh, firm faith means we are fixed because of having had these experiences of anartha nivritti, the result of sadhu sangha and bhajana kriya. Now, so that faith, that position of happiness or of nishta, firm faith, is the preliminary for then these ecstatic experiences of bhava and prema, you know, uh, <clears throat> asakti, having real taste and real detachment, and then real love for Godhead. So it all comes that the real happiness comes later on. It's backloaded. You know, Front-loaded is more of the yajna, the front side. So understanding this is key to being able to maintain our chanting for 40 years or more. There, there is a method, there is a science to it. But even in the very beginning, in the Nectar Devotion, Prabhupada explains that the, uh, the, the neophyte devotee immediately experiences relief from material distress and transcendental bliss. Vridhan Andamaras likes to say it's a special introductory offer. <laughs> Krishna first gives us a little enjoyment and, and, and amazing, actually, amazing amounts of taste and bliss. And then we, under, then we learn what's going on and then we apply ourselves. Then that's the progressive realization of a worthwhile goal. In the interim stage, it's called the clearing stage, where the deeply rooted anartas are gradually weeded out or they gradually die away. And we experience that very quickly at first, but then rather slowly. But that's why you know all of these ingredients are mentioned. Uh, enthusiasm, determination, and patience. So enthusiasm and patience are like on the opposite end of the modes. Right? Enthusiasm is passion, patience is goodness. But both are required. And <clears throat> that leads us more and more to progressive happiness. Pratyaksarvagamam dharmyam shushukam kartam avyayam. It's not just sukha, happiness, but shushukha, happiness on steroids. Uh, and uh, avyayam, endless. So it, it's the fact that Krishna consciousness just gets better and better as we age. Material life gets worse and worse as we age. In uh, Miami Beach, you see a lot of wealthy people from the north who go down there to retire and attempt to relive their youth. 
So seeing all these old people out on the beach is like the world's largest changing bodies exhibition. <laughs> it's so pathetic, you know. Is that all right? Thank you. Thank you very much. Other comments? Yes, standing loudly in the association of devotees that um, may be disruptive or distracting to others. Yeah, um, I read somewhere Haridas Thakur chanted what was that like 164 rounds a day, some some amazing number, and he would chant one third loudly, one third softly, and then one third in his mind. Right, so we should. Uh, as we gain experience in chanting, be able to adjust to all three volume levels. Um, chanting loudly uh, is can be very inconsiderate to others in, if they're unable to hear their chanting. So, so uh, Sachinandana Maharaj also stresses this in his Holy Name seminars. That just everybody just chant so it's audible to oneself. That's that's the point, and really, the, it's the vibration of the holy name more than the uh, audio effects that elevates our consciousness. It is the, the transcendental sound vibration. So again, for the beginner, maybe chanting loud is necessary just to just to invest the energy. But with experience, we should be able to feel the the vibration of the holy name and meditate on that. Is that all right? Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes, these old people, old people who should be full of wisdom and helping young people. Instead, they're out just chasing a ball. Hare Krishna. So um, <clears throat> we, um, along the years, you hear different things from different authorities. Um, and one time I heard that, because uh, you were mentioning that, you know, the purpose of chanting Japan is to give pleasure to Krishna. I heard that uh, uh, in, in Kirtan you give pleasure, pleasure to Krishna, and in Japa you, you chant to purify yourself. Mm. Um, and so out of that, uh, you know, um, we also have heard that we should be uh, praying while we chanting, like, uh, please, Krishna, help me to chant better rounds. Uh, please uh, hear my prayer. Uh, uh, and, and so uh, when we are having those kind of prayers, it's something that we're doing. Uh, it's, more, it's more to, to feel needs that we have in order to chant better. Uh, but uh, so... so should be the consciousness while chanting to be asking for those kinds of things, or should be the consciousness? Okay, I want to chant just to give. Pleasure to 
Very good question. If we please Krishna, we also become purified. If we're asking for to be purified, are we pleasing Krishna? Why do we want to be purified? So we can better please Krishna. But if we're simply pleasing Krishna, then the purification is a byproduct. There's a beautiful prayer by St. Francis. By, uh, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. So being an instrument of Krishna uh, means automatically we're pleasing him. And if we're pleasing him, we're becoming purified. So it, it it's certainly better than not chanting or not... Uh, yeah, they're not chanting, they're not praying, like the like the, the um, Lord's Prayer from the church. Remember, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses. A lot of requests. <laughs> it's a whole shopping list, actually. <laughs> um, but w- when we say, make me an instrument, then then we are offering ourselves without any condition, without any worry about our own level of advancement or non-advancement, purity or impurity. Whatever we are, Krishna, please make me an instrument. And we meditate like that and just think about how we can please Krishna. Then the the ancillary things take care of themselves. Is that all right? Yes, A lot of times we hear about Going back to Godhead, or that we should we should strive to go back to Godhead, but we also hear that uh, pure devotees don't go back to Godhead. They take birth again and again in Krishna's pastimes, uh, like Lord Chaitanya has eternal ser- uh, mm-hmm. the servants that take birth every time he appears, and it seems like uh, Prabhupada also has. Like I, Jai Pataka Swami asked me once, to, would you rather be go back to Godhead or would you be like to be part of Prabhupada's pastimes? So I was wondering, you know, naturally you think, well, I'd like to be part of Prabhupada's pastimes. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, kind of like we say this, I don't care for liberation or any other boon. So if going back to Godhead doesn't, Seems like it doesn't always doesn't necessarily mean like liberation, going to the spiritual world and living eternally there, and never coming back to the material world. That's sort of like a moksha. But this um, eternal service to Krishna in the material world, like coming birth after birth. So is going back to Godhead always mean liberation, or is that you should strive to go back to Godhead mean? Something else. This is like <clears throat> the question about loud chanting. It depends on our level of spiritual advancement. So if um, for for the beginner, then to aspire to be out of the material world is a great incentive for spiritual life. And then for the advanced devotee, it doesn't matter, Krishna, because we want to be Krishna's instrument wherever Krishna wants. And that's not just like gritting one's teeth, and oh, okay, Krishna, wherever you send me, but actually taking so much joy in devotional service that it doesn't really matter whether one goes back to Godhead or stays in the material world. The, the, the service is going to be the same. 
you know, the uh, Prabhupada compared himself to an ektar, you know, that instrument. It's a one-stringed instrument. It's, uh, it's just like a percussion instrument more than a melodious one. And I'm like an ektar. Wherever you take me, I'm just going to talk about Krishna. <laughs> so, Narayana Paraksarve Nakutaschana Bibhuti. Svarga Pavarga Narakishu. For the devotee, heaven or hell make no difference. Therefore, the devotee does not uh, make conditional. Krishna, I'll serve you if you take me out of this miserable material world. Again, if we just pray to be Krishna's instrument, pray to serve Krishna, and and uh, learn to take pleasure from that and be happy in that, then it doesn't really matter. But that, that can't be faked. <laughs> so we can understand that's a higher level. It doesn't matter if we're not feeling that from our heart. That doesn't matter. We can still please Krishna and make progress, even if we just were asking, please take me out of this miserable world. So again, it's a matter of advancement. All right, other other comments? Haribo? Any other questions or comments? We'll wrap it up there. Thank you very much. All glories. Oh, one more. Anjali. Your comment, yes, please. Tell us your realization. Yeah, um, the point where you know, towards the end, Prabhupada writes in the purport that like, the Lord is equal to everybody, but it's just who recognize him are glorified, like the sun. I mean, sun is there everywhere only, but there are still places which are dark because it does not have the receptive power. Mm-hmm. So ones who recognize Lord, they are glorified the one as compared to the one who does not recognize them. So that's, I found it's a beautiful point in the purport. Beautiful na- analogy, yes. <clears throat> There's a uh, Similar analogy in the Bible about uh, rain falling in various places, and uh, it may fall on the rocks and produce nothing, or on the fertile soil and and produce life. So, uh, yes, so that's the idea: just to be receptive to Krishna's presence when we're chanting, just to be receptive to his unconditional receptivity. That's the best. Because Srinvatam Swakata Krishna Punya Shravana Kirtana. Then Krishna acts within the heart. So he's the active principle, not us. Draupadi let go of the sari, then Krishna protected her, right? So we also need to let go and let Krishna Krishna uh, purify us by his presence. Tesham Satata Yuktanam Bhajatam Priti Purvakam Dadami Bhuti Yogam Tam. I give the intelligence. The one who constantly worships me with love. So yes, it, it is very joyful process in that respect. Just feeling that trust in Krishna and letting Krishna work through us. All right, all glories to Shri Prabhupada. Hare Krishna.